Head over to the new championshipwrestlingmemphis.com where you can find brand new superstar t-shirts. Custom matches are on sale now from our women's division. And of course, we are now enrolling for our brand new training center. Get all the rates and info on how you can become a pro wrestler or sports entertainer at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com slash training. episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit sent you. You better tell someone. Tell someone about stspod.club. Tell them now. Call them. Text them. Tell them. Telegram. Send them video messages. Whatever. Tell them. Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Pro Shingle presents the Jerry Jarrett VIP Experience Sunday, May 2nd at the brand new Memphis Wrestling Wrestle Center. Meet the founder of Memphis Wrestling. Get your tickets now at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. Shooting the shiznit, best little wrestling pockets in the business. Your host BT, and always guess you never know who he'll have next. Shooting the shiznit, shooting the shiznit, best little wrestling pockets in the business. Shooting the shiznit. We're live from STS Studios in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and I have my old buddy, Mike Gunter, live in the green room. Mike, come on on over. How's it going, brother? Going great, Brian. Going great. Thanks for having me on. Man, how long, first of all, how long has it been since we talked? Oh, Lord. Years. Many years, probably. Oh, my God. Because, you know, you was one of those guys, Jeff Baldron, Dave Meltzer, uh, guys that I talked to on a regular basis. We would, I was living in Jonesboro, 
and uh, going to college, and then we were all tape trading, kayfabe sheets, and you call it. Absolutely. And I would talk to you on a regular basis. If you are watching this, though, by the way, guys, if you're watching this on Facebook Live, me and Mike had some technical difficulties, so you won't get to see my beautiful face, but you you can sit back and listen to all of the episode, every bit of it right here on Facebook Live. Um, but yeah, we would, uh, which I want to start with when you started becoming a wrestling fan, and, and I want to say that I listened to a little bit of an episode of John McAdams' podcast um, this morning just to... To hear your voice again, and right, something right. you said, and I want to talk to you about that. But let's start as you as a as a kid, or uh, right, becoming right. a fan. When did you do that, Mike? Well, um, I tur- this past Friday of the twenty third, I turned uh, sixty six years old. That was my birthday. All right, and <laughs> I grew I grew up in a real small town in South Alabama, and uh, it was like sixty miles due west of Dothan. And 90 miles due north, due south of Montgomery, and 20 miles from the Florida border. And I can remember watching wrestling in the early 60s on the Dothan Channel. We got three t- we got three TV channels down there, and only the only one that ever had any wrestling on the whole time I lived there was the one out of Dothan, and it was Gulf Coast Championship Wrestling. So I started watching it in the early 60s, and I can't put an exact date of when I started watching it, but I do know that um, the the big Baby faces there were the Fields brothers, Bobby Don and Lee Fields, because Lee Fields on the promotion, although I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> and they were on TV all the time. And uh, I can remember the, the earliest thing I could put a date on was I can remember the TV announcer coming on. I think it was uh, Craig Stevens was his name. And he came on one Saturday and said he had some horrible news that Don Fields had been injured in a car wreck and could never wrestle again. And I, I found out that happened in August of 1963. So I've been watching way before then. So I've been watching since the early 60s. Wow. And I, yeah, that's and that was TV. They had TV on a regular basis there in your area yeah. in the 60s, right? Yeah, they, they take TV every Saturday morning. And they ran, a, they ran a car at the Houston County Farm Center every Friday night. And that Saturday TV show, the total reason for its existence was to uh drive traffic to that just Friday like memphis just the like day. the memphis show right. yeah monday night steel cage match mid-south coliseum uh right. kind of right. thing right. yeah yeah the big commercial absolutely and, and you know they would promote uh spot shows too because like the town i lived in they would run a spot show there on saturday nights about every three or four weeks at our national guard armory so uh but yeah, but mainly it was for the Friday night, the next Friday night's what they were promoting. I can't remember the the, the actual building we went to for the spot shows in Memphis was in Blavo, Arkansas, and and someone listening to this can probably tell me my memory's horrible, Mike. It's just horrible. I can't remember if it was a Kiwanis or a Rotary, but I think all of that's really funny. Like every time we talk about going to wrestling back in the day, we either went to a Kiwanis club, a Rotary club, a National Guard right. Armory. That's that's where they promoted everything at. Yeah, and um, the the cool thing about that is, uh, one year we had our uh, Boy Scout troop met in the Armory, and occasionally they'd leave the ring up in there between the spot shows, and so they had big signs on it says stay out of the ring but of course you know boys being boys we we'd get up in there and play around like we were wrestlers it's kind of funny man man that would have been a dream come true for me man the ring's still set up uh so did you start going to live events at the time 
my parents did not want me going to live events for some reason. And, and uh, but if I spent the night at my best friend's house on a Saturday night, there was wrestling in town. His parent, his dad would take us over there and leave us. So yeah, I went a few times uh, when I was, you know, in early teens, maybe 13 or 14. And uh, the first time we ever went is really, really funny story. One of the matches that night was uh, Rocket Monroe was wrestling one of the medics. This is when I guess Rocket saved uh, Flash Monroe from being beat up and they turned babyface for a very short time. Anyway, we walk up to the arena and sitting off to the side on a little uh, parking pad was a uh, Cadillac convertible and on the hood was Rocket Monroe and he was smoking a cigar. <laughs> so me, so before the matches, me and my friend would go over there and uh, my friend goes, hey, you're Rocket Monroe. And the guy says, Yes, I am. Uh, you must be a brain surgeon or something like that. You know, a real <laughs> yeah. smart ass remark. And and we start talking to him for a minute, and and uh, he says, "Why ain't you uh, warming up or something before your match?" And he says, "Look, kid, I'm just trying to relax." And I said, "He," I said, "Oh, he doesn't have to worry. He's wrestling. He, he's only got to wrestle that stupid old medic." And Rocket Monroe goes, "Listen here, son." Starts pointing his cigar at me. He says, "Ain't no nobody." An easy match in this business. You got to work your ass off. Now get out of here and let me relax. So oh my god! <laughs> I just had a discussion. Yeah, I had a discussion with somebody. Uh, one of the baby faces was doing an interview on on the new Memphis wrestling show, and he said he called his opponent an old man. And I said, right. "All right, we don't do that. We don't we don't talk about the, your opponent because what if that old man beats you? How would that feel?" But that's right. what that's what right. he was doing. He was uh, telling you uh, he was he had a tough match. So if he did win, he he's a badass. I love. Right. Did you ever notice that? Because you know the assassins did this. Uh, well, they did it in every area, but the medics, the assassins. Uh, if you was. Uh, if you was doing really well and you was the top heel mass team, uh, I, you might see them on Friday night in Blavel, but they also may be in Nashville that same night, and right, it'd be right. different guys. Did you ever notice yeah, that right, there right, was right. there was different medics? Because I know the medics did that also. Yeah, probably. Um, we had the medics, we had the interns, we had all those different teams come through our area. Um, yeah, the interns so, were yeah, the they, yeah same guys that worked uh, in this area. They worked as Fire and Flame and the Assassins. They were the interns. Uh, they was a little bit of everything. It was Don Bass and, um, gosh, Randy Rhodes, I think, was the guy's name. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Roger Smith. Roger Smith. Right, right, right. Uh, good, good hand. You know, guys worked really hard. They always had good matches. Uh, well, the yeah. intern chair had Ken Ramey with them. Man, I yeah, I have read some stuff that uh, Ken Ramey had had wrote about being a heel manager, and you talk about somebody that was so smart to the business right. and what you're supposed to do and not do as a heel manager. Uh, I can't. I'll have to look that stuff up and and read it on the show someday. But it was so yeah. so far ahead, and the people, you know, it's kind of one of those things where. Um, I, I watch everything now, Mike. I don't. I watch all the uh, new stuff. I don't watch WWE on a regular basis, but I follow the pay per views. Uh, I watch AEW on a regular basis. Uh, I watch I New Japan. I, I watch a little bit of everything. 
but it's still one of those things that stay relevant is what you're supposed to do as a heel manager, and he was right there with it. So when did you start going on a regular basis to some of the other, or where did we go from from this promotion to, you would say, Mid-Atlantic okay. and those areas and stuff? What happened right. in between? All right. All right. Uh, in between, like, it, the town I lived in was real small. It was like 5,000 people, and we got – something called community cable TV in February of 1969. Um, and on that, one of the, t- like we got six channels that we didn't have before. And I, one of them had championship wrestling from Florida. So oh, I got wow. exposed to different wrestling that way. And the first episode I ever saw that show was the one after the, the TV show after Dory Funk Jr. Beat Gene Kanisky for the world title. And I can remember Gordon Soley sitting there in an interview a very young Dory Jr., and he's wearing a suit with a, like a royal blue shirt and a cowboy hat. And uh, so that's, that was my first exposure to anything other than Gulf Coast Wrestling. So flash forward to January of 1971. I'm not even 15 years. I mean, I'm, I'm a little over 15 years old, 15 and a half years old. And my family moves from the small town I grew up in in Alabama to Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, I was wow. halfway through the 10th grade and went from a town of 5,000 people to a town of like, 300,000 people or so. So, um, I didn't know any, you know, anything of that small town and, you know, Gulf coast wrestling, Florida championship wrestling. But, uh, luckily Florida championship wrestling was on TV here also on a little, um, BHF channel or UHF channel. I mean, and, um, but mid Atlantic was the main, obviously the main promotion here. So I started watching it in January of, 1971 and uh it was it had not yet changed over completely but it was getting ready to change over from like you know the the tag team era to the the the, you know the heyday of it that's what i that's what i want to talk to you about because i mean you mentioned something so we're going to take a quick commercial break when we come back i want to talk a little bit about the tag team era what you was talking about so here we go all right Jerry Jarrett is coming home to Memphis, courtesy of Pro Shingle, a professional roofing company. Meet the founder of Memphis Wrestling on Sunday, May 2nd. Tickets are available at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. This episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit sent you. Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. 
All the Right Notes, available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the Right Notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told... I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Dexter, Missouri, get ready. American Hostile Championship Wrestling is coming to your town May 22nd at the Lara Vint Center at 13583 Old Highway 25. Be there to see Big Jack Parker, Trending Trent Daniels, The Crowleys, Young Goats, The Skimmerhorns, Mark Southern, Derek King, and many, many more. Adult tickets are only $15. Kids 6 to 12 get in for $7 and 5 and under are free. American Hostile Championship Wrestling, May 22nd, the Lara Vint Center, 13583 Old Highway 25, Dexter, Missouri. Missouri, be there. All right. Thanks to our sponsors. A big reminder this Saturday, every Saturday, rolling into Mempo. That is the uh, championship from wrestling. Uh, uh, new, the new show. We do a review show on it. A championship wrestling from Memphis. And also this past Monday, we had Lance Levine's the record store, which has nothing to do with wrestling. So there you go. Talk to me about, you said this on John's show, about Mid-Atlantic was doing the tag team era. And let me tell you, I've always been the biggest huge tag team mark ever when Fabs, the Moondogs, you name it. Uh, and then when right. I got into wrestling, I was a manager and always managed a tag team against another tag team. I actually managed the whole thing, but, uh, that's the way I did, uh, being a tag team mark, who were, you said it was just like, they concentrated mainly on tag teams right before the big boom there. Right, right. I, when I, when I moved there, the, the top people here were like, uh, George Becker and Johnny Weaver, uh, uh, Brute Bernard, the Missouri Mauler, Rip Hawk, Sweet Hanson, uh, Paul Jones and Nelson Royal. Those were like, you know, the big stars of the territory. And, uh, you know, the singles guys, they had, uh, Abe Jacobs and his hall was a Kiwi leg roll or something. And, um, who else? Uh, Argentino Apollo and people like that were the, were the main stars when I, when we first moved here. And, uh, it's strictly pretty much tag team. Now, I, the first Mid Atlantic show I ever went to was one they ran in conjunction with, uh, Championship Wrestling from Florida. And, uh, they were promoting it on both shows. And the main event was Dory Funk Jr. defending the NCW, N, NWA Heavyweight Championship against Jack Briscoe. And in the, the semi main event was, uh, Eddie and Mike Graham versus Bobby Shane and Rock Hunter. So those were those were two. Um, and then the rest of the card was Mid Atlantic guys. And did when you say that they tagged all these two guys tagged together all the time? And then did they have the the cool tag team names, or were they just themselves and they were a tag? No, team? they were just in, they were pretty much individuals. I'll have to go um, race. You know, I've got a question for myself. When did we start? When did we start getting the cool names? I can, I can remember the Norville Austin and them being the Midnight Express. I remember that right. name, and I can't. I guess the Hollywood Blondes, maybe before all of that. Probably that, that might probably. have been one of the first tag team names, except for the mask guys. 
Uh, well, uh, down in uh, Alabama, they had like uh, uh, Mike Boyette and God, uh, Mickey Doyle. Maybe were the uh, California hippies or something. Oh yeah, right yeah, yeah, moved. yeah, yeah, yeah. I that might have been the first one I knew of. Yeah, you, and and, uh, and then they had a Hell's Angels team too down there. So, that <laughs> they, they were their heels or baby faces. You know, in today they'd be baby faces, the Hell's Angels. No, they were definitely heels. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, growing, you started going to Mid Atlantic, so you kind of hit Mid Atlantic, and you are a little older than me. So, my first wrestle was in '78. And but you hit Mid Atlantic when we started getting the big boom there. Where there's uh, so Absolutely. yeah, yeah. So you you was boom. Did everybody in in your high school was it like my high school that everyone knew what was going on in Memphis wrestling and we all watched it? Was everybody watching that? Not not really. Oh wow! Well. Um, I I graduated from high school in '73, so that was a, it was right about the time they. Right about the time, or right before they start, the big boom started hitting in this area. So that happened when I was in college mainly. Like, uh, you know, I, I did go to a couple of matches in college because I wanted to go see. Uh, uh, I kept seeing Johnny Valentine on TV, and I wanted to go see him. And I went and saw him at Wahoo one time, uh, wrestle, and uh, a couple things. That, but the wrestling, I, I, you know, I'd always been a fan my whole life, and I kept up with it. But I, uh, it just really didn't take off, and one lucky thing, when I got out of college, I took a job in Charlotte, so I moved there, and that you know that's the home of Mid Atlantic Wrestling. And I got back watching there, and I started going to the Coliseum, you know, when they run big shows there. And what I did for the first five years after I got out of college, I worked in retail at stereo stores, and uh, I really liked that. But a lot of wrestlers would come in those stores, so I got to meet a lot of the guys living in Charlotte, and uh, had. You know, have got a lot of great memories from that. What would they they'd so, come in and buy stereo? Well, killing time, and some some of them did they actually bought stuff. Like I sold the first one I ever sold anything to was Greg Valentine. I sold him a a, a cabinet, put his stereo equipment in, and uh, he I was managing one of the stores, and the store he came in, and he he did not want to buy one you had to put together yourself. So he gave me a hundred dollar bill to let me let him buy. The display model. <laughs> were they so, uh, so? Were they kayfabing you? Were they just if he was a heel, was he being an ass, or were they just being real cool? No, no, no. Thing? He wasn't even wrestling for Crockett then. He was wrestling for oh, okay. the first tour of Vince Senior, but he still lived in Charlotte. And because I asked him, I said, "Where have you been? I hadn't seen you on TV in a while." He said, "Well, I'm up in uh, working in New York for the time being." But no, he was he was real nice, and he gave me a couple autograph pictures and all that. He had. You know, when I put the cabinet in the trunk of his car, and then, then I moved to another store right up. And this, this other one I worked at was on the corner of Independence Boulevard and Sharon Avenue, which was like the biggest intersection in Charlotte. And it was like this, you know, maybe a mile and a half from the Coliseum. And a lot of wrestlers came in there. And uh, the first one I met there was was Blackjack Mulligan Jr., which was you know Barry. But he was, that's what he was called there, Black Jack Mulligan Jr. And he came in, and he was looking around. He bought a, a Walkman. This was when they were first coming out <laughs> from me. And I, asked, and I asked him, I said, you don't have to wrestle today? And he was shocked that I knew he was a wrestler. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm wrestling tonight down in uh, Fayetteville. I just wanted something to take along on the road with me and all that stuff. So, uh, But the, the coolest thing about that job and in that location was uh, 
I got to meet Jack Briscoe. Oh, wow. He came in there one day. He came in there. Obviously, I recognized him, and one of the other guys recognized him, too. And so I went up to him and started talking to him, and he was as nice as he could be. This was before they turned heel. And he actually came in there three or four times and just was – and he said – he asked – so I went to the matches. He says, well, come on over by the dressing room because they had a little area that was roped in that the babyface would come out and stand around. He said, come over if, you're, when you, if you see me out there and say hello. So I, I started doing that. I wanted to go to the Coliseum. He'd be out there, and he'd come over, and he'd call me by name, shake my hand, and just nice as he could be. <laughs> what a hell of a story with Jack Briscoe. Uh, and I went back and watched some of those uh, of the Briscoe stuff, and the, man, right. they were just as good as we remembered them to be. They just uh, so good at, at putting together uh, putting together a match where even if it was them working as a baby or a heel and putting over that local guy, even though they would win, they were it was a lot like what Ric Flair did, but not as not as much right. as putting. But they would put over the the guy that was staying. So that was so. When did can you remember the moment that you said I, I talk about this? I, my first matches, live matches. I was five feet from the ring. I knew something was not on the up and up, <laughs> but didn't really care if you want to know the truth. Uh, right. But right. I I was smartened up by Dick Bourne. Uh, and I know you know that name, and some people in in uh in cafe world may know it. Uh, he was uh, he's wrote some books and did a lot of other stuff. Right, about right, us. right. Uh, but he sent me, I think he sent me a observer and something else, and said it was the time that where Dusty was uh the uh, Flair and a bunch of them jumped him in, and uh, I was a Dusty fan, and I mentioned something to someone about it, and he was like, Dusty's this, Dusty's that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Start reading this. And uh, I started reading the kayfabe sheets, and, and I guess that was right before I went to a senior in high school. And when I when I went in as a senior in high school, I thought I knew everything about the wrestling business. Right. And, and, and right. was uh, – <laughs> It was uh, number one, you know, inside. I was being inside, telling right. all my friends about it. And, and I mentioned that. We all talked about Memphis wrestling and Monday Night Football. That was the only thing that put us all together. Uh, we could watch that on them three channels that we got. But do, right. do you remember when you were smartened up? Not really. Um, well, maybe – and, yeah, I know Dick real well. I used to trade him uh, worldwide tapes. He couldn't – he didn't have access to them when he lived in Alabama and – and Steve Beverly hooked us up, and I would um, uh, send him worldwide tapes, and he'd send me Continental. So I've known Dick all all that time, and uh, we went tons of shows together. But um, um, maybe it might have been Starcade '83 when I figured out because they did all that promotion for a flare for the gold and all that, and then and I, I went to the first four Starcades live '83, '84, '85, and '86, and just you know. I figured, well, if they're doing all this and Flair doesn't win, something, you know, but then he won. And so maybe that's when I figured it out. I don't know. That might have been when I knew for sure something wasn't, you know, wasn't all on the up and up. You know, you always heard wrestling's fake. And I say, well, it sure doesn't look fake when some of the ass kicking you see. <laughs> yeah, we had, uh, we had Kenny Bowling on a few times. And Kenny tells a funny story about Jim Cornette. With Jim Cornette, he knew it was work, but the world title matches, they were real. You know, that's what he that's what he told right. Kenny. Those matches were right. real. And uh my ex the expression that we always said was uh man, they got mad. 
they got mad for real right. kind of thing. So you could tell right. what it was. It was fake until a certain point, and then they got mad. When did you start? Uh, how long did you have you been reading kayfabe sheets? And do you still still subscribe? Uh, yeah, I, I, I re, I'm still a member of the Observer uh, website. There we go. That. Yeah. Um, in in uh, spring of 1985, I uh, bought. Uh, uh, I used to buy wrestling magazines all the time, and they had. One of them had a thing in the back about a list of newsletters. Right. And most most of them said, send a uh, self-addressed envelope, and they'll send you a free sample. So I sent off for about a dozen of them. And one of them was Observer. So I started subscribing to Observer like in May of 1985. Uh, so that's I think that's I exactly when I did. Well, no, no, I take that back. I did it. No, that's that's very – I subscribe. I, see, it was Christmas, around Christmas of 84. So, I, okay. because I think I come back from, I said I came back in, in my senior year, but I think I came back from Christmas break. Smart. I was a market before Christmas and I came back for Christmas <laughs> break and I was a snor- smart fan. Did it do you like, this is what happened to me when I started getting kayfabe seed is I, I actually had more interest in the business. Like I wanted to know everything then. Yeah. Well, hell yeah. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. you did the same thing. You did tape trade. You know, I had I had um, uh, tape update, uh, and you know, I, mm-hmm. I accepted ta- I accepted uh, donations, Mike. You know, I didn't I didn't actually make right. real money, just donations right. uh, for uh, videotapes. Were you? How many VCRs did you have going at one time, <laughs> or did you just have two? I just had I had um, I probably think the most I ever had at one time was like three, maybe. Um, but you know, I worked in the stereo business so I could get deals on, you know, to start with. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love me some wrestling tapes and, I I've traded a lot with you and John McAdam and, you know, some other people too, Dave Meltzer. I know um, Dave used to have the best, he would do the best of stuff. And, and I don't yeah. know, a lot of people remember that, but some of those were my first, uh, Look at uh, you know Lucha Libre, Japan. New Japan, yeah. yeah, things like that, and he would have best of Absolutely. stuff. Some a name that came to my mind when I was thinking about interviewing you today, and I want to know if you remember this guy. He was a tape trader, and he sent out this huge list on legal size paper, and his name was Steve Minari. Do you remember him? I remember the name, yeah, yeah, and I traded some with him too. He was yeah. crazy, man. <laughs> He eventually had all kinds of stuff where he said uh he said someone had robbed and took all his tapes and <laughs> and uh and then come to find out he was trading with somebody else the same things. But he was one of those guys that did a rating, like all the people that subscribed to his uh I don't know what he called it. Matt, I want to say Matt results, but that's probably not it. It was just a big uh tape listing and he had them all vote on the tag teams and that's one of those things is where i learned work rate and all that even though i was smart they had the nightmares up there one of my favorite tag teams but the nightmares were like number one and and they were having some of the best matches and they were commenting about yeah they had the best match here best match there and i was and i think that kind of taught me hey uh you know we look we look at stuff a little different than than uh than the regular wrestling fan does. And I remember, yeah, and I actually talked to Ken Wayne about that, and Ken and Danny had no idea. Uh, They they knew about the kayfabe sheets, um, but they didn't really know, you know, how popular or how 
good everyone thought they were. And the funny thing about the kayfabe seats to the boys back then is that they looked, they read them not for the gossip, but mainly for the attendance. So if they right. put, yeah, so hell, if they're doing good in Alabama mm-hmm. or or they need a new tag team, we'll go. It's kind, of, it was kind of different than it is now, where where everybody reads it or everybody comments or everybody knows uh, what's going on. Um, you know, and, and the internet did that. And we knew that technology changed every sure. business around it, changed the wrestling business, the stages it changed. And, and you said you get the um, the actual website. I get the website. My buddy Lance Levine still gets the paper version that you can't. I'm too old. Right. I can't see all that. Uh, yeah. But uh, that, uh, so tell me, I usually had a lot of guys coming in stereo. Uh, I mean, into your workplace and so forth. And I know you hung out with some of the guys. Tell me who who was probably the coolest guy you ever hung out with, wrestler wise. Uh, that I ever hung out with, obviously, it was Cornette, and uh, uh, you know, and I've I've been around him probably God twenty times, maybe twenty five times. I don't over the years. Um, and but the very first time was uh. 1988 on my birthday actually 1988 i was 33 that day i met him and so i've known him exactly half my life uh but uh that was the saturday of the last crockett cup and that's the year they ran the first night in greenville south carolina and the second night in uh charlotte and uh dave Meltzer and i had started going to a lot of matches in fact he first time i met dave in person was in was starcade 86 he flew into raleigh and spent the night in my house and we went over to starcade um, in 86. So I've, I've known him since then, but, uh, this was like in 88, it was Crockett cup. We'd gone down to Greenville and, uh, him, myself and Jeff Baldwin went over to Cornette's house that Saturday and had lunch with him and his wife at the time and his mom. And that's the first time that David met him in person. First time, you know, wow. Jeff had him in me. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that was, uh, I think it's funny when people talk about well, you know, Jim's Jim's polarizing now more than he ever has been, right. yeah. and uh, and at times I think he's just working everybody. But then I've talked to Meltzer and a few other people, and they think he's lost his mind. So, uh, <laughs> well, he so, thinks Dave he thinks Dave's lost his mind. Yeah, I know it. So um, you you got a guy who he's known forever in, in that that relationship that. Uh, you know, I talked about this on Patreon and left it and put it up as a clip. And I want to get your opinion on it since you're same as me, old school. You you started with the KFF seats. Do you think now? Now Meltzer he really puts over AEW a lot. Back in the day, right. think of the think of the people that he put over a lot and, and the Jim Cornettes and, and all of that. And it, I think it has a lot to do. And I'm not saying it's being biased, but it has a lot to do with who you're talking to at the time. What do you oh, think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, 100%. I think 100%. it does because, you know, he was putting over Ric Flair over Hogan. He was putting over this. Right. And J.J. Dillon was in his ear a lot. Uh, guys like that that he was putting over. And now, he, you know, Tony Khan's uh, a young promoter who, you know, if I was a young promoter, I'd probably pick up the phone too and say, Dave, what do you think about this, you know? Right, uh, right, right. So well, – well, see, I, I, I got to know Dave really well over the years, and he, cause he and I went to, I bet we went probably 30 times to events together around the country. I mean, we went to the Paul Bosch retirement show. We went to, uh, you know, so many paper, you know, WCW pay-per-views, and I, and I, and 
and after the matches, like when we were out, like we'd usually go out over to like Cornette's room and hang out with him in the midnight or uh, stuff like that. And uh, you know, when we were in Nashville for the Flair Steamboat match after that night after the show, we went over and hung out with Paul Heyman in his room for a long time. And uh, so um, it's definitely who he talked to back in those days. I don't know about now because I don't. I haven't talked to Dave in years. Right. I, um, I, I but, only talked to him with someone in the Memphis area dies. If you want to know the truth, so it's one of those things <laughs> where he, you know, I sent him an email, called me if you want to, and then we talk about uh, Scott Bowden when he died, and then uh, Brian right. and Brian Crisper. Scott was a friend of mine and Dave's, uh, but well, Dave is. Uh, I, I never heard what did they ever. No, I say I, what happened. I no idea. I've heard all kinds of rumors, but I'm not going to say a word because I don't right. know well, what happened with Scott. Uh, I hate it. I just hate it. He was uh, he was a really good guy. Always so super nice. Uh, I did a Memphis website uh, for about five years. Uh, just on the Memphis, the old, the uh, newer shows. Well, they're old now. They're right. twenty, but uh, he would always come Yahoo Messenger. He'd send me something to say, uh, you know, this, that, or you know, he's just so smart about the business. Really good guy. Uh, and Dave, the thing about Meltzer is us knowing him so long. So I talked to Dave probably for about five years. <laughs> every sunday about the memphis promotion and gave him the results right. and and i was the uh i was the locker room snitch back then and uh so that that's where he get all his memphis news but yeah dave right. and, and me and lance talk about this all the time that people what dave says there is no malice in anything dave would say uh and he believes everything if he says a match is a certain amount he believes it he really does there's right. Uh, right. and that's, that's where that I think Cornette's wrong, where Cornette thinks that, that, uh, that Dave's friends, because he's friends with them, that just makes them better. That's not true, but, but back in the, back in the day, he was friends with you, Corny, and he loved you. So <laughs> what the hell? What's, how's his opinion right, been right. so fucked by then, you know? Do you want, do you want to hear while, while we're talking about Dave and all the, the, the probably the coolest thing I ever did as a fan, um, I got invited to Cornette's surprise 30th birthday party. Oh, wow. And I, I was the only non-business you know, person there, really. Uh, Dave was there. Dave was invited. And his wife at the time, Kelly, she kept it all secret and invited us all. And uh, we had an elaborate plan. for. They had some friends visiting. They took him out to uh, play some pool. And she got everybody over to the house. And when he came back, we were all there and we surprised him. But uh, – uh, like I said, I was the only non-business person. Dave flew in for from California. Uh, Dennis Carluza was there with his son. <laughs> uh, Brian Hildebrand was there with his dad, and uh, like Sandy Scott was there. Tim Horner and his wife were there. Uh, Bobby Eaton's wife was there, and uh, it was just like a it was a lot of fun. You know, Mama Cornette was there, obviously, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, later that night, Bobby Eaton shows up after their, you know, WCW match, wherever it was, and he, he had Mick Foley with him, so that's where I got to meet Mick Foley, and uh, everybody eventually left, and it was like at four in the morning, it was me, Dave, and Mick Foley were the only ones there, so um, Corny had to take us back to the hotel, because we couldn't drive over there, because they had they shuffled us there to keep him from finding out about it. and so like we're riding through downtown, you know, the South Boulevard area of Charlotte, Five in the morning with me, Cactus Jack, Dave Meltzer, and Corny. <laughs> that was kind of funny. But then the, the coolest part, though, was the next day 
we went back to Cornette's house and about eight or nine of us went over to Ric Flair's house and spent like four hours at Ric Flair's oh house. Oh my God. <laughs> I know me, Meltzer, Cactus Jack, uh, Brian Hildebrand, his dad, Dennis Carluza and Corny. We were just all over there and the Flair could not have been nicer. He, he, you know, awesome, he was, awesome, and his awesome. and his wife. I mean, we had a great time. That day. I know, and it's so, you've had that experience, and I've had it too. And it's I call it. It's just a weird experience because you you grow up watching these guys. The Dundees and Lawlers for me was was what really is uh, uh, the first time I met those guys and spent time in the locker room bullshitting with them. I went home thinking these are the guys I grew. I'm still growing up, but I've grew up uh watching and it was almost like it's almost like you're hanging out with uh i don't know the the cast of gilligan's island or something you know what i'm saying it's not yeah it's they're tv stars so you're just like uh and then it gets it's i'm not i want to say jaded but it's not really jaded you get to where it doesn't it's not a big deal like the uh you know i hung out with the undertaker before he was the undertaker um he stayed at my apartment in Jonesboro when he needed to on the couch. Uh, and we have a funny story where me and him, we ate a whole pizza and then decided to order another one and shit like that. So <laughs> it's almost like the stars aren't, they're not stars. They're just people, you know, uh, Heyman's right. another one too. I talked to Heyman, I guess, uh, three or four years ago. And you know, it's still Paul. He's the same Paul. He's right. the same guy that that uh, he would answer the phone sometimes, or you'd have to leave twenty messages, and he'd finally call you back. Kind of guy. That's that's him. Uh, and so it's just one of those things. All of us growing up and, and being around those guys gives you. It's like it's not that I'm not going to put them over because they're talented, but now I'm just like, eh, you know, I, I was with the Undertaker. I knew Jimmy. I knew Paul Heyman. I knew, you know, I hung out with Jerry Lawler. I'm friends with Jerry Lawler's son uh, and things like that. And you just, you're, you just like get to where it's, it's not a big deal, you know. And Bobby Eaton, right, right. By the way, Bobby might be, he is probably the nicest guy I've ever met in the wrestling business. Oh, uh, absolutely. 100%. 100%. We'd get, we'd go over to their room after the shows and, he was always as friendly as he could be, and when he saw me at Cornette's party, he came over and shook my hand and yep. all that stuff. It's real. That's him. I mean, he'll and, ask you, you know, how's it going, blah blah blah. And so I, I did a uh, quick angle with him one night where his the guy that was managing him said, "Do you want to do an angle with Bobby?" And I said, <laughs> "Uh, yeah, okay." And we hit the ring, and I, I started. I started talking and everything, and Bobby got in the ring uh, with his with Brian Thompson, who was his manager. And I said, "Bobby, you come from the greatest tag team ever, except the Rock and Roll Express. Now, the Rock and Roll Express was better than you, but other than that, the Midnight Express. And it, it got over. They booed me like crazy, you know. Uh, but Bobby, right. he did the job for my guy. And I mean, yeah. he's just like." what do y'all want to do for the finish? And I was like, you tell us. He goes, well, y'all going over. And I was like, uh, okay, we'll do that. We have no problem with that. <laughs> right. All right, man, Mike, it's been fun. It's, uh, I want everyone to join us uh, this coming Saturday for Rolling into Memphis. Remember, same bad time, same bad channel. On the best little wrestling podcast in the business. And as everyone knows, and Mike's going to know now, I love my mama. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure.
Pro Shingle presents the Jerry Jarrett VIP Experience Sunday, May 2nd at the brand new Memphis Wrestling Wrestle Center. Meet the founder of Memphis Wrestling. Get your tickets now at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. Music is my life, and I bet it's yours too. After all, we're all very complicated beasts. You're not just into wrestling, you're into other stuff too. And that's where the record store comes in. I've got a thousand CDs or so, and I've been a rock fan for as long as I've been old enough to go to, well, the record store. So every week I close my eyes, stand in front of my collection, and randomly grab a CD. Whatever I pull out. Could be old, could be brand new. It's what I cover in that episode. It could be anything from Asia to Yes, from John Cougar to Elton John, from Rumors to Weird Al's Greatest Hits. You just have no idea. I do a little bit of homework on the artists, talk about what they mean to me, and who knows, maybe I've had a chance encounter with one of them. And finally, I review the album track by track. I might confirm that it's one of the greatest albums of all time, or I might conclude that buying that album calls for me to have my head examined. Who knows? So join me, Lance Levine, twice a month right here at the record store, and let me remind you how much the music means to you as well. Did you enjoy that episode? Cash App us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Cash App us. One dollar, two dollars. If you Cash App us over twelve dollars, I'll give you one year of Patreon for free. Graphic design is very important. Your logo is the first image potential customers see. What kind of impression would you want to make today? Need a podcast logo or a t-shirt design? KT does art. Her name has become synonymous with quality and professionalism in the graphic design community. She specializes in graphic design, painting, and more. She provides affordable commissions and professional quality with a timely delivery. Contact KT via email at KT underscore does art at yahoo.com. Take out her Instagram at Instagram.com slash KT underscore does art. Hey, that was another great episode of Shooting the Shiznit. We're currently looking for contestants for who wants to be the best Shiznitter ever championship 2021. A shout out to our sponsors this month. And also we have Patreon or at www.patreon.com slash Shooting the Shiznit without a G. A big thank you and a shout out to Bob McGee at Pro Wrestling, Between the Sheets, and Gene Jackson at LocalsToLegends.com. You can reach us on Twitter at ComicBookMarkBT, Instagram BT Shooting the Shiznit without a G, Facebook Shooting the Shiznit with a G, and we're also at Cool Kids Wrestling and MMA Talk. You gotta ask to get in. If we don't like you, we'll kick you out. That's right. And you can get all the archives to all the episodes at www.stspod.club. All right, let's do a roll call of my favorite podcast. So my favorite non-wrestling podcast would be Who's Right Podcast, Poor Boys Podcast, The Official Podcast, Man Brain Podcast, I'm Fat Podcast, and my buddies over there, Richard Josh and Pete. Radio. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. And remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.